Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series, What is the Church? Many think of the church as a building or organization, but scripture teaches something far different. The church is the community of God's people who gather for worship, love, and care for one another and serve God's purposes in the world. We hope this helps you understand and apply God's word in your life today. We want to encourage you to do that as we're going to be uh, spending these next couple months out here together. Not being in our eyes inside the building. That's all wonderful, wonderful, but that that is not the church. The church is is defined in the scripture as something completely different. And ultimately what it's about is it's a community. It's It's believers. It's It's the the people that are sitting around you right now, not a particular uh, building or location. It's It's not an institution. And so so we're we're going to take take a number of weeks and kind of work through the things that Scripture says. One of the things we're going to be doing is we're doing that. You'll notice in the booklet we got a catechism question this week. We're actually going to work through three catechism questions regarding the church, 69, 70, and 71. So you can kind of look online and even see those and study those as well. But today, let's take a look at our text as we talk about the church as the community of believers. Now, now notice here in Acts chapter 2, remember, this is the day of Pentecost. So the 120 were gathered together, the Lord had ascended 10 days before, and they were there, and suddenly the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And you remember, like a rushing mighty wind, he blows into the room, and they all start speaking in tongues, and they go out into the street, and the crowd sent to save you, you crucified him, you put him to death. And then he speaks on the resurrection of Christ, and Peter concludes the sermon with these words. In verse 36, he says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, notice again, you know, it amazes me because in the, in the American church, we like to talk about being seeker-sensitive. We like to talk about, you know, trying to do the entire crowd in front of him saying, you, you killed the Son, son of God. God. You, you are guilty. I mean, I mean not, not the most seeker-sensitive way to end the sermon, I might say. say. And Peter, Peter then says, but I, but I want, want you to know something. something. God, God saw that, but God, God overruled what, what you did. You put, put Jesus to death. God, God stood up and said, said no. And, and he raised him from the dead. And he not only raised him from the dead, he is, he is now exalted, and God has made him Lord over all. The one, the one thing that you crucified, crucified you, you are one day going to stand in front of because he is Lord over everything. And, and this, this is the foundational message of Christianity. This is why it could never be about a building. It's about the lordship of Jesus Christ. The message of the church is Jesus is Lord of all. The earliest creed we had as a church, I'm thankful for the, we've got four major ecumenical creeds. They're all worth a good, believers have confessed these for thousands of years. But the first creed that we see in scriptures in 1 Corinthians 12 is Jesus is Lord. In Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is the foundational message of Christianity, that Jesus 
Christ is Lord of all. Now the people hear this, and contrary to what we might think, we might think they could get angry, but how they actually respond is recorded in verse 37. We're told that they were cut to the heart, that it sliced all the way through everything else. It got down to their heart, and they say to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Notice, they don't make excuses. They don't say, Peter, Peter, you didn't understand. We didn't know what the Sanhedrin had done. We didn't understand what had gone on. If we had known that, we wouldn't have been part of that, Peter. That's not what their response is. Their response is, oh my God, I am guilty. I put to death the Savior that God sent for me. They humbly acknowledge their guilt because this is the first step in responding to God's law. When we hear God's law, we humbly admit that it's true, which means I am guilty. Anyone who is making excuses for their sin, who is defining their sin down, who is trying to find some way around simply owning up, has not let the law of God work in their heart. They've not understood that just as much as it was for the people there that day, you and I are guilty of the death of the Son of God. Who's the one that put him on the cross? It's me. It's my sin that nailed him there. And the first sign that God's law has done its work is when we simply own up and say, what, what do I do? I am guilty. And Peter then replies, says, repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. So notice he begins by saying, repent, which means it's literally to change your mind, but it leads to a thing that says, I was going this way, I was going down a path where I killed the Son of God. And, and now, now I stop and I say, that, that was wrong. I don't want to walk that path. God, God has shown me my way was wrong. And, and then, then notice he speaks in verse 39 of the promise. Because he doesn't say repent, do enough good works, check back six months from now, and I'll see if, if everything's starting to weigh out for you. No, repent because there's a promise. Repent because there is the gospel. The law has convicted you of your sin. Now I proclaim to you the gospel. You are not saved by your works. Your works put the Son of God to death. You are saved by God's mercy. Repent and believe the good news. And water baptism is the public declaration that I have repented, that I have believed, that I have embrace the gospel of God and I am now part of the people of God. And notice that just like it's not unique to them that they are responsible for the death of the Son of God, the gospel is equally applicable to you and I. Notice Peter says in verse 39 that the promise is for you. It is for your children. It is for all who are far off. Whether they are far off in geography or they are far off in time, every human being comes into the kingdom the same way. Repent and believe. This, repentance and faith in response to God's law and God's gospel is still the only way to become part of the kingdom. See, if that's the church, 
But all you have to do is walk inside the building. But that's not how you become part of the kingdom. You become part of the kingdom by repentance and faith. And when that's happened, it doesn't matter whether we have a building or we don't have a building. Because we are in by being part of Jesus. I had the privilege. Tony Marsh and I went to a Niger in West Africa years ago. And many of the churches that we went and gathered with, this is what you did. You just met outside. There was just a space. Sometimes you had a tree. Sometimes you didn't. Most of the churches, if they had a building at all, it was made of millet stalks. Think corn stalks. That's what they had. Because that's not what defines the church. Your brothers and sisters are defined by repentance and faith. Not by whether they have a building. Not by whether they're part of an institution. Not by the color of their skin or what language they speak. But by repentance and faith. Now, the, I mean, Luke then goes on and tells us what happens as Peter is preached. In verse 41, he says that the people respond. He says, those who accept this message were baptized. So they are responding to what Peter said. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That if this specific call that Peter gave is requiring a specific response, it's not just and faith the water that day, but they are given the gift of the Holy Spirit life by yourself. And the answer is no. When I was united to Christ by faith, I was united to other believers in the church and called to walk in fellowship with them. There is no, well, I want Jesus, I'm going to be united to him, can I skip the church? The answer is no. You want Jesus, you get to the church. For reasons we're going to see in coming weeks, because you can't have the head without the body. You can't have where the spirit dwells without having the dwelling, which is the church. You can't have God without his people, without his bride. So there is no such thing as a Christian that is not part of the church. There is no such thing as an unbeliever that is part of the church. And there is no such thing as a Christian that is not part of the church. That to be united with Christ is to be united with his body, the church. But, but notice that, as, as we put, put it in the catechism, catechism there, we are not only united with other believers, church, church, we are called to walk in fellowship with them. When, when I became, became a believer, I immediately became part of the church. You will see, and the next week, the text goes, we are, we are baptized with the Spirit, we are baptized into the body. We are made part of the church. But there's a question. Am I fulfilling the calling God has given me? Because the call is to walk in fellowship. So what we're going to do the rest of the time is to look at this idea of the community of believers. If the church is those who respond to the gospel, who by the Holy Spirit have been united with Christ and united with his people, what does it look like? What are the, the ways that we see what the church is? Well, again, number one, the first thing is the church is the community of believers. It's again not a building or an institution. But notice again in verse 41 and 47, it's those who accepted his message that were baptized and added to the church. Not, not everybody else. You don't just, can I sign a piece of paper? Can I take a class somewhere? You have to respond to the message of the gospel. 
Notice in verse 47, the ones who are added daily are those who are being saved. It is the experience of regeneration. It is the experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit that makes us part of the people of God, not some other thing that I do. So that means primarily the church is not a building. The church is not primarily an organization or an institution. It's the community of believers. It is those who have personally responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Secondly, the church is the community of believers who gather to worship God together. Notice what Luke does in the very next verse. Verse 42, he describes what the community looks like. And he says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. This is a description of their early worship gatherings. Luke's not just picking a few things out. This is what it looked like. If you had become a believer on the day of Pentecost, and you gathered with the early church, this is what the gatherings are going to look like. There was going to be the teaching of the word of God, particularly by the apostles. Early on, there, there was, was going to be fellowship with other believers. There, there was, was going to be the breaking of bread, which in Luke's writing always means communion. And, and there was going to be, devoted to it literally in the plural, the prayers. You were going to gather together and pray with one another. These are the means of grace. This is what church gatherings look like. And we're pleasing God about to do that I am checking off some box. Where everything has been received, where we are... Receiving the fullness of all of the promises in the Old Testament, the fullness of the Spirit of God. And Luke says, let me tell you right from the beginning what it meant to be the church. The church is the community of believers, the community who gathers in worship, the community where God's presence is in their midst, there is a fear of the Lord, the community that is loving and caring for one another as they proclaim the gospel throughout their so, so, how do we, we apply this before we come to the Lord's table? The first thing, as always, and I don't take it for granted just because you're crazy enough to come out here on a Sunday morning and sit in the field in a chair, that that means you're a believer. That also is not how one becomes part of the church. So I really thank you for doing it. I'm really glad you're over here. But have I responded to the gospel in the repentance and faith? See, the amazing thing is that we can forget this. In Acts chapter 2, this is not Paul preaching to the Gentiles. This is Peter preaching to Jews. And many of them would have said, what do you mean I'm not part of the covenant people? I traveled a thousand miles to get here to celebrate Pentecost. I'm obviously serious about it. And Peter said, if you don't have repentance and faith, you got nothing. doesn't matter that you can trace your lineage back to Abraham. That's, That's not, not how one becomes part of the people of God. You become part of the people of God by repentance and faith, not in by birth. Parents, I remind you, I plead with you, please be discipling your children. The church has been here for thousands of years because the faith has been passed from one generation to the next. We are one generation away from it ending. The weakest link in the chain breaks the chain. Let's, Let's not be that generation. Let's, Let's make sure that make sure the children understand they are not in 
because mom and dad are believers. They are not in because grandparents are believers. It's by personal faith and repentance. I remember actually the night that as I'm looking at my granddaughter Kayla, I was in a meeting upstairs when Stephanie called and Kayla wanted to tell me she had responded to the gospel. And, and she, she had prayed to receive Jesus as Lord, and she wanted to get water baptized. I remember that moment, because I remember the same moment with each of my four children. We must come in individually by repentance and faith. So I asked, have you repented of your sin and looked to Jesus in faith, in personal faith? If you have not, I am, I am. If I have my handkerchief, I'm starting to do my Pentecostal preacher evangelist thing. Have you responded individually to Jesus Christ? Secondly, in that, have I declared that publicly in water baptism? Peter didn't say repent, believe the gospel. And then, if some of you might be interested, we have a second add-on optional plan. It's the package A, which is you can't get water baptism. No. If, if you, you repent and you believe, make a public declaration of that fact in water baptism. Have you responded in uh, to, to the gospel and have you declared that publicly in water baptism? If you have not, please see me. Don't wait another day. Grab me after the meeting and we will talk. And maybe we'll have water baptism while we're out here. Having our meeting out in the sun. Okay? But that's the call. Have I actually done these things? And then secondly, for those of us who have, and then we'll come to the Lord's table, if you've been united to Jesus by faith, you have been united to the church. Not an option. And you are called and commanded by God to walk in unity and fellowship with other believers. Now, I'm not talking, talking about having my name on a roll. I'm, I'm saying, is, is my life built in to the community of believers? Is that, that, is that, that part of who I am? Okay, okay. When, you know, I, we're going to talk in, in future weeks about not only the universal church, but the local church. But one of the analogies I've used through the years, when I was a young Marine, I was never a Marine at large. Where are you stationed? Nowhere. I just, I just kind of go where the spirit leads. I'm just out there. I just serve what I think that no. I had a command. I had orders to a specific unit. And you know what? If you walked into that unit, nobody said, Lieutenant Hicks, I don't think I've ever heard of him. They all knew who I was. I was part of that unit. It's the same way for us as believers. It's not just that I'm part of the church in general out there. God calls me. God gives me orders to a specific place. And that means I ought to know where that place is. And they ought to agree and say, yes, they're, they're part of this church. Not, I don't think I've ever seen them before. They said, they're, they're here? They're, they're part of this? That's not what it looks like to be part of the church. Now look, I'm, part of why I think this is so important is, has 2020 made that more difficult? It has. I I have struggled with feeling isolated. My, my wife has really struggled with being isolated. 
Because even when I could come in and see people and do things, she couldn't. That's a sign because we want to be with one another. 2020 has made this difficult, but we have to walk as part of community. So I want to make a couple of brief appeals before we come to the table. Number one, I urge everybody who possibly can, those of us who are here, those of us who still didn't come and are watching, if you can at all, be with us while we're gathering outside. I'm not a prophet, but it may well be that when the weather turns cold, a lot of us still can't gather inside. Do not waste the opportunity. Do not waste the opportunity. We have a small window of time. And it may be a little bit warm. And later on, it may be a little bit cool. And we may all be sitting out here in coats. But we're going to take advantage. We're going to suck out every Sunday we can so we can gather together. So we can come to the Lord and say together, do not uh, miss that. Even whether you can be here or you can't. Even if you have a thing that says, I still can't even make it outside. I want to urge you, if you can, pick up the phone. If you can call somebody. If you can text and check in on somebody. Coronavirus has not changed the need for community. And, and so, so there, there are folks that I haven't hardly been able to see, but we've had long, meaningful conversations on the phone about what God was speaking to us, about what God is doing in 2020 in our lives. Are we doing that? I want to urge you, re-WRF, you were way back at the beginning of this, I spoke about redeeming the quarantine, but we still need to redeem 2020. And it's tiring. But again, I want to give you the good news. You were called for such a time as this. There is no one here that God says, whoa, I didn't mean for Marty to be here in 2020 with all of this. He was supposed to live in a different century. If you're here, you're here by divine appointment. And that means God wants us to walk faithfully in 2020, which is different and more challenging than it was in 2019. But I want to remind you again, I have worshipped in Africa where this is just Sunday. This is what they do every week. Except for, and Tony can give an amen to this, it's a lot hotter. It was way hotter than this, and we were there at the, in the dead of winter. Their cold season, and it was hotter than this. You don't even want to be there when it's like 120 degrees. But you gather, or you don't. So, are we doing that? I want to encourage us. We were created for community by the Trinity. We're recreated in Christ for community and the, the community of the church. And 2020 has not changed that at all. So I want to encourage us to do that. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to come to the Lord's table. And in doing this, I want to give a little bit of practical instructions. If you've not been one of the folks who's come, um, these little packets that you have, there's a little cellophane thing on top. There's a separate piece of cellophane and then a little more stiff piece of plastic. In a moment, when it comes time to take the bread, you're going to rip the cellophane thing off. And you're going to take the bread. You're going to wish it was the Hawaiian bread we normally use. But I assure you, Christ is going to meet you. And then, when it comes time for the, the, the cup, you'll rip the other piece back. Okay? So that's, so that's how, how we're going to do it. it.
Sorry, this is a little different this time doing this. But I want to remind us of everything else that's gone on. All the things that may be different. I have so longed for us to come to this table together again. Believers have been doing this since Acts chapter 2. Sometimes in small underground places, sometimes in the most beautiful ornate cathedral. But none of that makes the difference. What makes the difference is God is faithful to his promise. And so the things that I've received, I will pass on to you. What I received from the Lord, I pass on to you. But the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out so that your sins may be forgiven. Drink from this, all of you, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, we are so grateful to be able to gather again in your providence. Lord, it's been tough here in 20. Father, it's with great joy that we come to this table today, the table provided by Jesus. I cry out that your Holy Spirit would be here and meet us in this sacrament. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, you are the Lamb of God who takes our sins away. You were slain that we might live. You were buried that we might come out of our grave. You suffered the pains of hell that we might receive the blessings and joys of heaven. You were raised that one day we might be raised as well. And, and you, you have ascended to the, the Father's right hand, that, that we might dwell with our God forever. This day we give you thanks for all of this. We believe in our heart, and we confess it with our mouth. Through Jesus, we people, now and forevermore. So today, we share in this bread of life, and we drink of his sacrifice as a sign of our bonds of peace around the table of our King. Friends, take the bread. The body of our Savior Jesus Christ, which was torn for you, for the wounds that heal, for the death that brings us life, for the body that was broken paid the price to make us one with God. Get your cup ready.
the blood that cleanses every stain of sin was shed for you. He drained death's cup that all may enter in and receive the very life of God. Take and drink. Amen. Fellowship with one another and then go forward blessed and spread his blessing everywhere you go. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.